Welcome to episode 23 of the Greater Manchester Chamber of Commerce podcast. This episode contains audio from our Chamber Live event, which took place on the 2nd of March 2021 and was hosted by our Policy, Campaigns and Communications Director, Chris Fletcher. In this episode, Chris is joined by our new partners, Marston Holdings, Engage EV, Sally Nolan, Director for Business Development at Engage EV, and Charlie Jardine from EO, a partner of Engage EV, both share their insights into the world of electric vehicles. Our skills coach, Will Taylor, then updates us on the Chamber's work with the Young Persons Guarantee, which is focused on helping to protect and progress the future of young people in the city region. And finally, our Head of Research, Subrakrishnan Harihara, joins us to discuss the Chamber's expectations of the upcoming budget, which has been referred to as one of the most important budgets of all time. So I'd just like to welcome everyone uh, to uh, today's Chamber Live event. It's Tuesday the 2nd of March uh, 2021. I'm always saying that just to make sure I've got it in my mind, uh, what day it is, what month we're in, and even what year we're in, because uh, it is getting very, very Groundhog Day-ish now, isn't it? So uh, anyway, but the end is hopefully tight, and obviously we've got the budget tomorrow, which we'll come on to uh, at the end of today's event and see uh, what we're expecting from that. We're also going to be touching a little bit uh, on some of the things we're doing for our young people and also introducing uh, another one of our partner companies uh, in, a, in a minute as our first guest. If we just remind everyone, please, to uh, to mute your mics um, just so we don't get any odd noises, whistles and doors going and all sorts of things uh, in the background and everyone can hear what's going on. We are recording uh, the meeting, the event today, as ever, uh, and we'll be getting that out on our YouTube channel and, and publishing it as a podcast as well within the next uh, 24 hours. So if there's something you've heard or want to just catch up on again or even tell people about them, uh, please feel free uh, to do that. We've got the chat box uh, facility going and I know certainly the one a couple of weeks ago we had some really good questions uh, from people there that hopefully we answered. If you've got any questions you want to ask our speakers anything that they've mentioned today or anything in general um, obviously relevant to what we're talking about uh, then please feel free to put that in there and we'll get through as many of those as possible. So um, we'll, we'll be finishing no later than than quarter to 11 uh, but usually we, we're rounding off around about 25 to some time like that just to give you some sort of idea uh, for uh, for your own timing. So without any further ado what I'd like to do now is ask Leanne Gardner just to uh, introduce our first speaker. Leanne. Hello everyone and um, so yeah I'm Leanne Gardner and um, I'm the Membership Events and Partner Delivery Manager um, and I'm pleased to announce that Greater Manchester Chamber is now partnered with Marston Holdings Engage EV. Engage EV are an electric vehicle charging specialist covering the whole process from initial design to delivery for both commercial and residential clients across the UK. We'll be working with Engage EV, helping businesses and individuals drive towards net zero. We have Sally um, Nolan, Director of Business Development, along with Charlie Jardine from EO, who are, our, who are an EV partner of Engage EV. I'll now pass, uh, pass back to Chris to discuss further. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much, Leanne, and good morning, Sally, and uh, hello, uh, Charlie, as well. Thanks very much for uh, for joining us today, uh, Sally. What one for you, really? I mean, obviously, interest in, in EV is is um, higher than ever. 
But where did people begin with with the journey to uh, to to electric vehicles? You're you're just on mute, Sally. One second. Right. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, got you. Okay. Yeah, okay. wouldn't let me do it then. I don't know why. I didn't obviously didn't want me to do it. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. And um I only got into electric vehicles around 18 months ago, so it wasn't my background at all. Um, so I'm still very much on a learning curve myself as to the expanse and the ever-changing world of, of EV. And no doubt you'll have noticed over the past sort of 12 to 18 months, the, the TV adverts, the billboards, the radio, everything is driving EV at the minute. It's very rare that you'll see a, a TV advert now for anything diesel or petrol-based Um so that just is indicative that, you know, it's happening. It's not a question of, you know, if it's when and the time is now, it's happening now. You know, that Manchester Clean Air Zone is coming into force over the next few months. Um, so now is really the time to, to start thinking about it and, and, and start acting. Um, the first part of call as when you're investing in anything is obviously research. So you wouldn't go into a car showroom without looking at, you know, make, model, thinking about your budget. Um, it's the same thing when you're going into EV. There's so much out there. Um, you can either have what we call a plug and play. So if you're just looking for something in your house, you can have a very, very basic model right through to the very end model, which is like a rapid charger. Um, most of the chargers, Charlie will get onto this uh, shortly about the, the differences in all of the chargers, but they go right through to rapid chargers. Um, they also have smart technology on them, so you can um, get feedback. You can have monitoring capabilities. You can set your own charges, that kind of stuff. So right from your very basic model to the very end of you know having all the bells and whistles so you need to think about what how how you're going to utilize this product so what three things i would think about is firstly is what's your motivation so is it that you know your husband or wife has just parked upon the driveway with an ev car and you've not got a charger so you need one fitted pretty quickly um is it that you know when you're on your zoom calls with your, your employees is it the talk of the town is everyone saying oh bill in hr has got an ev car you know i'm looking at getting one is it something that you're gonna need to get in your offices because that's you're hearing these conversations and it's it's happening or do you have a fleet of vehicles that are going to be impacted on the clean air zone that's coming in into force you know they're going to be hit with these levies and these charges very quickly and they're going to mount up so it's it, a lot of companies are now trying to move their fleet to EV. So those would be um, two of the questions. First one is, what's your motivation? Oh, sorry. The second question is, how do you want to utilize it? Like I said about the difference in product. Do you want a plug and play and it's just plug it and drive off? Or do you want to have that monitoring, monitoring capability? Do you want to be able to set charges? Do you want your employees to be able to use it free but visitors to to have to pay you can give rfid cards um there's all kind of things you can do with around charging and monetizing the, the actual ev charger the third question um again would be sort of your control how much control over it do you want do you want daily reporting do you want to be able to see how many of your staff are using it how long they're using it for so just to reiterate the three questions would be what's your motivation 
what's it going to be used for and how much control do you want over it? And once you've done all of that research and have an idea of what it is you're doing and why you're getting into EV, then you can come to someone like us. We engage, we have um, relationships with all the major manufacturers, EO being one of them. Um, We have relationships with um, groundswork teams. So if you need additional electric cables running, we can assist in that. We go right from the very beginning of doing feasibility studies for councils or um, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, everybody, right through to the very end of helping you uh, complete those CPOs, so charge point operating, um, back office monitoring systems, including obviously the installation in between. So right, but the whole process we can do and we can advise along the way as to, you know, what's the best product, where's it best to place the, the EV chargers in and around your business or your home. Um, so yeah, if you come to, if obviously we're not the only people on the market that do this, but we can do the whole process from start to finish. So, yeah. And it's something that's obviously, this is, it's not brand new, this has been around for some time, but again, more and more people now are beginning to look at this as that only alternative really, isn't it? And again, you know, we, we've, we've had the message from government that, you know, production of diesel and petrol vehicles will seek a like <coughs> 30, which is uh, not that far off, you know, like it's, it's less than no. 10 years. And, and you've got those driving forces now, haven't you, to, uh, to bring yeah, and every day, I mean, like I say, I've only got into it in the last 18 months. So prior to that, I was very much ignorant to EV. But every day now, there's something in the news about them changing the, the deadlines. They want to move things nearer so that we can get to carbon sort of net free sooner. Um, there's all sorts of things coming out in the press on a daily basis now as to how much they really are driving this. Yeah, and it is important because obviously your your, your bit is the key bit because it's all very well you can turn up in a... In a brand new electric vehicle we've got no means to power it then it ain't going to be much use so you're yeah. a fundamental part of, of, of the whole picture yeah the bit that's missing at the minute everyone seems to be getting it driven in that it's happening it's the infrastructure that's missing so a lot of councils are yeah. really sort of chomping at the bit to start getting that into place because the infrastructure just isn't there at the minute around the uk yeah. Yeah, and Sharon uh, has just mentioned that as well. It is the infrastructure. It's like a lot of things in this country, isn't it? You point it back yeah. to the infrastructure in years. If people just sat back, not really bothered about it, all of a sudden, bang, the demand suddenly goes through the roof and everyone's going, why? Why haven't you been doing it? Mm. Everyone has a great idea, but they don't think about how they're going to do it. So, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to ask now about, uh, about some of the differences in, in product availability. You mentioned there about the basic sort of simple plug-in right through to the feedback bit where you vehicle backs as a sort of battery really doesn't it i think these uh, i think charlie's going to answer these is that right sally yeah, yeah. Uh, so we just uh, ask charlie charlie what, what are the differences in in, in product availability that, uh, that that you can offer people hello sorry you had to unmute me i couldn't i couldn't do all right well. sorry Hi, Charlie. Hi, okay. how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. So, again, it's, it's just about the different types yeah, 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 of sure. products uh, that, are, that are available. Mm. Uh, because, again, to a lot of people, this is you know probably the first time they're ever hearing about some mm. of these things. Yeah, so I think if you look at, obviously, petrol, diesel is very different. EVs, the, the mentality really is you try and install a charger wherever the vehicle parks up for more than an hour. So... The nice thing about electric is you you can ha- actually have a, a filling station at your home. 
So most of charging is being done at home or the workplace. So obviously at home, you park up typically overnight. So that's eight to 10 hours. At work, you might park up for eight hours. So you've got plenty of time to recharge the batteries. And so if you look at how are people charging in the UK, again, most of that is, is being done at home and work. Um, broadly speaking, about 80 to 90% is, is home and work. And then 10% of charging is being done on the public charging network. I think if you look at, uh, and if you well, if you look at and then you speak to uh, people looking to buy an electric car, the the, the perception is very different. Yeah, you know, I I feel like I can't buy an electric car because I don't see charging points in petrol stations and car parks. And well, the reality is you're gonna you're gonna use those public chargers very rarely. But it's that chicken and egg. So mm-hmm. I need confidence in the public network to allow me to buy an electric car, but actually ultimately I'll end up charging at home or work. Um, in terms of different charging products, so you know, a home charger looks quite different to a charger in a public car park or petrol station. So a home charger might be, if you choose our product, um, which you should, <laughs> is, is about the size of your iPhone, probably t- two iPhones, um, small, uh, it comes with a seven kilowatt power rating, which basically gives you 20 to 25 miles of recharging per hour. Um, obviously, you're p- partly limited at home by the amount of power you've got at your house. So you can't have a big, great rapid charger at your, your home. Um, you've got a small amount of power. So a small charger, uh, seven kilowatt is 32 amps. So it's typically about half your available electricity supply at home. Um, but 20 to 25 miles of recharging per hour is plenty considering you're parked up for eight to 10 hours at a time. Mm-hmm. If the average daily mileage per person is, is less than 40, uh, 40 miles a day, obviously yeah. you've got plenty of time to recharge. So um, home charges, uh, kind of small seven kilowatts, workplace charges. Uh, normally you see the seven kilowatt or the 22 they're typically they're bigger boxes just because they go a bit faster. Um, but you know, set the same principle. What is very different is the charging points you'll see at petrol forecourts. So they, they do look like fuel pumps. They're kind of six feet tall and a couple of feet wide and they charge your car within 20 to 30 minutes. So hence the size and, um, yeah. it's actually a, a quite a large expense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a question there from Sharon about how, how much it charges at cost to charge an EV, and, and Brian's put down it costs him about three pound at home, and that gives him about 150 miles and things. And again, it's a it's a it's a different way of viewing things, isn't it? Because you know it's, mm. it's always about you know, like you mentioned there, you know, 20 25 miles per hour top up charge. Old school of thinking with a sort of petrol vehicle is you're probably thinking, oh, that's not enough, you know. But it's actually what you need <laughs> for yeah. most people on a on a on a daily basis, you know, uh, uh, around those things, those sort of figures and things. So it's just getting that mindset, I think, as well in 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 the right place as well. It just does need a different way of, of thinking about these things. And uh, I think it's important though that 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 cost bit there is 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 quite important as well. Yeah, some, uh, Chris, I was going to say there's some if there's some great apps now uh, that you can have on your iPhone. There's one called Zap Map and Chart Plug Chart. 
where you can actually see where um, the stations are, the ones local to you. So when I'm going a longer distance, like um, my brother lives down in the Cotswolds, if I'm going down there, there's lots of charging points you can see on your phone at a glance, yeah. wherever they are. And mostly on the motorways and so on, they're fast chargers. You'll pay a bit more pence per kilowatt hour, but uh, as long as you plan your journey a bit more, then yeah. there's nothing stopping you doing four or 500 yeah. miles. That's cool. And that's great. And that's so that's so important as well, because going back a few years and we started to do quite a bit of work on this at the chairman, you have the whole sort of range anxiety bit and, and one thing, you know, that's that's virtually non-existent now with a lot of the newer models coming out where full charge, you know, you get you get equivalent to a sort of petrol diesel diesel vehicle. And then it's it's, it's just that that charging thing. They get more numerous and things. Obviously, what we're looking at here is, is things around the workplace and home and thing. Just just one final question, Charlie, for you is it's is it possible? Is there a sort of uh, way that you could get a return on investment of putting a, a, a charging point in, for example, in, in your workplace or wherever it is? There is a way of sort of monetizing it, so yeah. that will help help with some of those costs. Yeah. So the uh, workplace, typically, the charges that are being installed across workplaces come with some software. The software is normally an app. In the app, you can add your credit card and pay per charge. In the public space, the the market's trying to move itself toward having charges with contactless, so you can pay by credit card or Apple Pay or Google Pay. Um, again, you know, as the owner of the charging station, you are able to dictate the price you charge to EV drivers. So, you know, if you're thinking about installing charge points in your car parks. Uh, Clearly, I think your your interest will be slightly different for work as opposed to a public car park. Work, a lot of charging is being given for free as a you know, essentially a benefit in kind. Um, that's potentially a short-term uh, benefit. Ultimately, yeah, we're not companies won't be paying for employees' uh, fuel forever. But again, I think a lot of the, the businesses that we deal with are, are giving away electricity for free mm. at this point. Mm. In public, however, public charging is 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 always not always, but yeah, you know, I'd say in in, in absolutely most cases, uh, a, a paid for uh, yeah a paid for service. And um, again, following on from what Bryn said, you know, depending on where you charge. The price will 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 be different. Yeah. Um, t- typically, you pay a premium at the petrol forecourt than you do in a, a local authority uh, train station car park. Yeah. But yeah, the answer to the question is yes. Charging is a investment which provides a return. I think uh, you know, as a as a council or as businesses in the local area, looking to invest in infrastructure clearly is the right thing to do. I think um, you know it's it's a long term investment. So if you're looking at making a short term return, it's not the, the the play. If you're thinking about ten to fifteen to twenty years, then of course EVs are coming. They're coming quickly. Um, there's not much of a, a proven business model because clearly uh, where we've been is not where we're heading. However, it. You know, there are plenty of investors, private investors, who are investing in infrastructure with, with the aim of making a return on investment. So, um, yeah, look, it, it, it's an opportunity. I think our advice would be, 
just to to really think through where you're installing this equipment and and really go back to basics around how how are people using EVs where are they charging if they've got off street parking their preference will be to charge at home because it's much more convenient and cheap um but clearly not everyone has the luxury of an off street parking spot so there will be needs for inner city charging um and i think yeah clearly between uh engage masters and and, and eo we we're help, able to help advise on yeah is it is it a good idea or not okay all right thanks charlie again a, a quick question there from hazel uh, the average cost of home charger fitting brings put a it's his prices on there, it cost him 800 pounds. There was a 500 pound grant, I think those grants are still there. He says, I think it's a nice 350 for a seven kilowatt uh charger, which I think is 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 current uh with uh with that. But there are also other grants available, aren't they? For I think for workplaces as well, there certainly yeah. used to be uh 12 months ago, and those are, are are all available as well. So again, these things are, are well worth it's one of those, it's like anything, isn't it? Any sort of major purchase always do your research always ask the experts and things and obviously uh if you're thinking about doing this in a sort of worker home context or whatever uh by the work that we're doing with uh with engage ev we can put you in touch with people uh that have got the uh have got the answers for this and, and help you along the way so uh we can put you in touch with uh with people that have got the answers and again you know the cleaner zone will be coming in somewhere shape or form petrol and diesel will be being phased out uh, this isn't something that may happen. This will happen and is already happening. Uh, and I know a couple of years ago, and again, the Chamber started to look at this in some seriousness. We ran a series of events with TFGM uh, where people could come along and try uh, you know, electric vehicles for themselves if they were thinking about getting one. Uh, obviously, in the current circumstances, we can't do that anymore. But obviously, we are looking to get those type of events up and running again as quickly as possible. So uh, hopefully we can uh, we can uh, you know use uh, use engage and the experts there to help with some of that as well. Okay, so thank you very much, Sally. Thank you, Charlie, as well for uh, uh, for sharing that. If anybody's got any questions, please put them in the chat box and we'll uh, we'll try and get round to them. Um, our next speaker is uh, is Will Taylor, who's uh, one of the skills coaches that we've got at the chamber. Uh, and he's going to be talking about um, the young person's guarantee. Will, good morning. Hi, Chris. Hi, thank you. Excellent. So what is the, the Greater Manchester Young Person's Guarantee? I think we've mentioned it previously on a on a, on a Chamber Live event some time ago, but things are up and running now, aren't they? But just to remind everyone, what, what is the Young Person's Guarantee? Yeah, so just as a bit of a refresher, so in June last year, um, Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, appointed Diane Modal as the Chair of a new Youth Task Force um, to help develop the Young Persons Guarantee in Greater Manchester. So it was set up in response to the impact of the COVID-19 crisis, all around helping protect and progress the future of young people in the city region. So the guarantee was designed to focus on four key areas. Um, those were keeping connected, staying well, um, preparing for transition into work and our education and reducing economic inequalities. Um, so the theme of keeping connected centred around ensuring young people feel connected to opportunity and their community, um, removing any barriers through digital, transport, that sort of thing. Keeping well, obviously looking at um, health and well-being, making sure young people feel happy and secure, know where to get help if that's needed. Um, prepping for transitions, helping young people feel confident in their journey out of education and into employment um, and reducing economic inequalities all around making sure that opportunities are equal for all young people 
that there's lots of good quality pathways and careers for young people across the whole region. Um, central to the guarantee was the youth advisory group. Um, so a core group of young people have consulted on these four areas um, and laid out a number of priorities that they want to see um, and looking at reaching out to local authorities, public and private sector organisations, sort of key stakeholders across GM to commit to supporting these priorities. Excellent. What's our commitment be uh, to, the, uh, to the Young Persons Guarantee? Yeah, so our commitment um, is focused around one of the key priorities laid out by the Youth Advisory Group um, in the category of preparing for transitions into work. Um, so young people felt that there wasn't enough support or maybe wanted more support for those who are interested in working for themselves um, and starting a business. It's something I've seen myself as well. I'm not long out of uni studying music and, you know, you can spend the years needed to develop the skills to perform a particular activity. For me, it was the cello or other people. It might be coding, marketing strategies, things like that. But the business skills can sometimes be left on the wayside a bit. Um, so out of this, we've planned a series of events aimed at those 18 to 30, living in GM, and wanting to start their own business, really. Um, themed around different sectors, recognising that some businesses might have different journeys into setting up than others. Although maybe not, maybe that's what we're seeing. It's all a very similar path. But um, yeah, we've had one around digital and tech, one around professional services and marketing. And we've got another lined up for arts and culture. So the runners sort of panel discussions with four successful entrepreneurs from the Northwest in these sectors and um, speaking on their own experiences. And I think that is particularly interesting. You know, it's not just a textbook theory of how a business should work. Um, but, you know, it's a lived experience, a personal journey that these people have been through, that they're still on. Um, and an opportunity to get that, you know, direct from the source, any tips, key highlights, maybe common mistakes as well. All useful advice for people who are wanting to take that plunge and get set up. And it's so important, like you said, it's not theory this, this is lived experience, this is coming, you know, from people that have been there and been through that process and everything, and that's so important. I presume there's been some really good insights into entrepreneurship that's come out of those events so far. Yeah, definitely. I've been taking notes myself, um, maybe because of you, Richard Branson or something. But um, no, I think there's been sort of two common themes for me that have felt really important in the events we've had so far. We've done the digital and tech and the professional services and marketing. And um, so the first is making sure that there's a really clear set of mission and, and a set of values, sort of really knowing what it is that you're passionate about, what you want to deliver um, and why you're doing it. You know, having that key focus will really help to just anchor the business and ensure you don't lose your way you should go a bit I imagine it's easy to get sidetracked on different projects and events as they come up so having that clear focus just to make sure you're always grounded in that original um, yeah. passion that you had really and, and keep up the momentum and the drive of the company um, and the other one is just the sort of the importance of professional networks as well I think entrepreneurship can sometimes look like a bit of a lonely road um, you know it's, it's your little passion project you're devoting all your time and energy to it especially if you don't have a business partner and um, it's easy to be a little bit insular um, but, you know, everyone on the panels has been saying about how much help and support they've received from others and, and given it as well. Um, not being afraid to ask questions on how other people work and, and get some, um, sharing some advice there. And it's something so central to the ethos of the chamber as well, isn't it? You know, we're stronger together than we are apart and our networking events, you can see those relationships forming and that support there. Yeah, I guess it is. It's that bit is so important, that personal contact and uh, that, that connectivity is, is absolutely vital, isn't it? When when is when is the next event, Will? And uh, who who we got on the on the panel who's speaking? 
Yeah, so the next event, um, it's Wednesday the 24th of March, so later this month um, at one o'clock. The focus of this one is arts and culture. So we've got some amazing guests lined up that I'm personally really excited to chat with, as well as uh, hopefully it being a good session as well. We've got Maggie Clark, who's the director and founder of Extracts, an international outdoor arts consultancy. And um, we've got Steve Mead, artistic director and founder of the Jazz Festival, Manchester Jazz Festival, um, which is the longest running music festival in Manchester. And um, so a little fun fact there. Um, we've got Joey Yi Chung, who is director and founder of Olympia's Music Foundation. That's an award-winning music charity that works with communities across the city region to champion diversity in music. And finally, Anton Stevens, who is one of the co-founders and directors at Hidden Nightclub, an um, amazing club in the city that you know plays host to internationally acclaimed artists, and where I'm hopefully going to be heading in June once we're allowed out for a big party. <laughs> um, so you know it's going to be a great event, quite a, a broad range in terms of that sector, and hopefully really useful. Um, and there's more info and registration on our website, so do check it out. Um, and any yeah. questions, just get in touch. That's super. Oh, yeah. um, and, and such a, a, a great um, cause and, and a, a great theme of activity there as well. And again, you know, bringing young people through and putting those networks and key connections in place and the ability to listen to experts in these particular fields, I think is is so important. And whether that's virtually and hopefully at some stage, we can start to have real, real events again uh, in, in yeah. person. It's important that we carry on and, and, and focus on, on those people. There is a link in the chat that's just gone through to the next event. If anybody is interested, uh, they can click on that. So, Will, thank you very much. Keep up the great work. Uh, and it sounds like a, an absolutely fantastic uh, piece of work you're leading on there for the Chamber and for the young people in Greater Manchester. Well done. Uh, our final uh, speaker uh, today is uh, is uh, Subra, our Head of Research and uh, it would be completely remiss, bearing in mind that we've got the budget tomorrow, um, uh, that we didn't have a, have a quick chat uh, with, with Subra about that. So good morning, Subra. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, everyone. Excellent. We've, we've heard a lot of, of speculation and rumours uh, about what may or may not be in the budget tomorrow. It's quite important, isn't it? Any budget is important, isn't it? But now where we are with, with the whole sort of economic cycle, We've got the roadmap uh, on the way now from, from a couple of weeks ago. It was launched last last week and uh, the, the key dates now coming out, the different phases for reopening and things like that. Would you say this budget is probably more important than, than any that, that's gone before? I, I would say that. And I would say that for two reasons. One is, of course, that this is the first budget after Brexit. Uh, and we shouldn't, you know, in the midst of uh, discussion on COVID, we shouldn't forget the fact that uh, we are no longer part of the uh, EU and we have this trade agreement that is in place, which um, is uh, having some problems, as uh, colleagues in our international team would tell us. Uh, so that's one reason why it is an imp a particularly important um, uh, budget. And the second reason is, of course, uh, that it is coming in the midst of good news about the vaccination rollout. We have had the roadmap announcement last Monday. And in various ways, um, there is a little bit of optimism now coming back into the economy and coming back uh, amongst uh, businesses. Uh, but as the Prime Minister said last Monday, this is not the time to pull the rug. So we want to see a very clear signal about continuity in uh, the uh, support measures that the Chancellor has announced over the last uh, 12 months. And if support measures are withdrawn uh, too soon, uh, I think this will be a break budget. Uh, but clearly what we want to see is that this this should be a make budget where, you know, the Chancellor sets out a vision for a post-Brexit Britain. You know, what are what are our ambitions in relation to 
um, net zero, what are our ambitions in relation to future international trade arrangements and so on. Yeah, and I think that's important. I like that phrase. It's, it should be a make budget rather than a break budget. Uh, it's, uh, it's a really, really good way of looking at it. What are the sort of things, I mean, obviously, like I said, there's been, as ever with any sort of government announcement now, if you want to know what, what's going to be said at a particular time by a minister, just look in the papers the day before. I mean, there's been stuff all over the place around what may or may not be be, uh, be said. What are you expecting to see or hear tomorrow from the Chancellor uh, when he stands up to give his speech? Okay, so first things first, uh, in terms of the uh, support measures, uh, which is what I uh, mentioned a little while ago, uh, I think we are expecting to see some uh, extension uh, to the uh, furlough scheme. Uh, we are hoping to see an extension to the uh, VAT reduction uh, for hospitality. Uh, the um, uh, the uh, uplift to the universal credit, uh, we have also heard that that's uh, actually going to continue for uh, six months. Now, that is extremely important. And the reason it is important is that it gives uh, consumers uh, power. You know, so and that consumption, consumer consumption is actually extremely important to revitalize the economy. And for people who are in these sort of lower income thresholds, that 20 pounds a week actually is a significant amount. And that's why I say that even from a business point of view, actually uh, extra income will fuel consumption. So we are expecting to see that that's what, I mean, this is all based on uh, press leaks and clearly leaks are rumors. Uh, but some of them um, might indeed uh, turn out uh, to be true. A <clears throat> um, couple of other uh, big things we are um, we are hoping uh, to see based on the leaks. Uh, one is uh, good, the other uh, not quite. So uh, the good thing is uh, the, uh, we, we understand that there is going to be a significant focus on uh, green economy uh, and net zero uh, growth. So um, we have the COP26 um, uh, coming up later. So we are expecting to see the um, uh, chancellor announce uh, the launch of a green uh, bond uh, for the UK. So this is uh, to raise investment um, capital uh, for you know uh, investing in uh, green technologies and and emerging uh, sectors which are connected with uh, net zero. That's um, uh, quite positive actually because it's it's a statement of intent uh, on that line. The other yes. not so good thing is. There have been numerous reports about uh, the chancellor actually wanting to either uh, raise uh, taxes um, to start dealing with the uh, fiscal deficit um, or at least hold uh, the taxes. Now, the holding of corporation tax at the 19% it is now is a preferable option. We would not like to see uh, any tax increases at this stage. And that is because many businesses have taken on debt. Many businesses have uh, deferred uh, you know, tax liability, VAT, for example, uh, has been deferred. So then we are going to see a period where debt repayment becomes a due, deferred tax liability uh, has to be paid. And then on top of that, we have additional taxation. Uh, so the combination of that is not going to help uh, business cash flow. Um, so for that reason, we would like there to not be any increase in taxation at this uh, stage. Uh, but the fiscal deficit has to be dealt with. That's absolutely clear because that's you know that's a long term plan and i think in the short term the uh, ambition should be uh, to grow the economy uh, get a strong recovery back um so that the other aspects which have not necessarily been focused on leveling up for example uh, uh, start getting the focus that they do uh, need to get and it's important isn't it because now now's the time that you know if he gets this right tomorrow it, it will like you said 
give a real boost to the economy just at a time when things are needing rebuilding and, and, and putting back in, into some sort of order and one thing and another. So I think it's it's quite important that he, he, he does get this right. Um, there'll be a lot of people uh, watching it tomorrow. We're, we're obviously going to be doing our reaction in, in, in tomorrow's brief. Um, we're, we're going to keep track on things, aren't we, Subber? And one of the ways we do that is is through the QES. And we have got the QES currently open, haven't we, from, on the quarter one survey. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll be keeping our eyes on that. And um, we've had some sort of early results already coming in, but we need we need more people to fill that survey in, don't we? Then we've got a much better view of what's going on in the local economy. Absolutely. So we have had a good response so far. It is uh, not enough. Uh, we still have 12 days uh, in the fieldwork period. So all of you who are listening uh, today, please, please, uh, we will share the link via the chat function. Uh, please do fill in the uh, survey. We can keep track because if we split the results by date and we find that the results from, say, late afternoon tomorrow or the day after tomorrow are are actually better than what we have had in the last uh, few days, then we know that businesses are responding to the budget uh, well. If it's the opposite, then we know that actually the chancellor has uh, failed to an extent to stimulate business confidence. Okay, so all, all eyes will be on the, on the QES, all eyes will be on the Chancellor, and we'll make sure, like I said, that we'll uh, we'll give our reaction to whatever comes out tomorrow afternoon and its impact on business uh, through uh, through the brief, which will be in your inboxes uh, around about four, four o'clock tomorrow afternoon, five o'clock tomorrow afternoon, uh, with our initial reaction on it. But again, word of warning, uh, what usually happens is we make all the headline announcements and then a couple of days later, you really do you get the the accurate picture of what, what's announced and what the impact will be. But uh, that's our job for the rest of the week, no doubt, uh, Subra. Subra, thank you very much uh, for giving us uh, the benefit of your time, just giving us a few insights into that. Uh, that, uh, that wraps up uh, today's Chamber Live. We've covered all sorts of issues there from young people, the budget, right through to uh, electric vehicle and charging points. So uh, I think that's probably quite a diverse and an eclectic mix of subjects as you could probably wish for uh, in 35 minutes on a Tuesday morning. Uh, so thank you very much to our, our speakers. Just a couple of uh, parish notices, as it were, really. Uh, this time next week, we've got our regular chamber networking events. Uh, we have one week it's chamber live, next week it's chamber networking, and we're going to be running that through uh, for the foreseeable future and who knows by the end of the year we may be able to do this sort of stuff face to face and actually sat in a room together we'll still have people being able to dial in but it'd be real to, to do it with a with a, a, a room full of live people instead of everyone's uh, just appearing on screen as, as good as that is so chamber networking next week next chamber live is on the 16th of, uh, of March and our QES event takes place on the 26th of March as well so if people do really want to um hear what's happening in the greater master economy we'll have a look at what the budget says and the impact and all the rest of it that's on the 26th of march look out for what we're doing for international women's day uh next week and if you want to get in touch with us about anything you've heard about or something you just want to ask about the um uh, about the chamber the email is benefits at gmchamber.co.uk there's just one thing i just want to finish on uh today a bit of uh, a bit of news it was uh it was um 
launched last week. But uh, in previous Chamber Lives, we've done a little bit around uh, the Chamber being a, a kickstart gateway. So in other words, this is for young people looking to uh, to get into work, six-month placements, and we've been doing an awful lot of work, hundreds of businesses, hundreds of young people looking at, at trying to get uh, trying to get them in, in, into the world of work. We've had our first Kickstarter placement actually uh, starting and agreed in, in the last couple of days. And it's, uh, it's a guy called Thomas, who's going to be a trainee productive operative uh, at Pearl Window Systems. So it's been some time coming, but we've actually got a young person there uh, taken on by a company, Pearl Window Systems, and actually into work, which I think is a really, really good piece of news, and it's something uh, we should be celebrating. So these things do happen when we talk about them. They sometimes take a bit of time to come through, but they do happen, and we do do some good. And that is, again, all down to uh, the fabulous people that we've uh, got in uh, in membership, in business, here in Greater Manchester. So if anybody is interested, we are still open. Uh, if people want more information, uh, we can still help people out uh, with that as well. So it's absolutely superb news. Nice bit of news to end the day on. Uh, thank you very much once again to all our speakers today uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. <laughs>